welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm very well, Yuri. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me. So, Ronan, I'd like to ask about how you describe yourself and what you do. Oh, that's a, that's a bit of a tough one, actually. I think we sometimes struggle with a bit of sort of either self-reflection or even self-promotion. I'm just somebody that didn't really know what they want to do in the world. So I just I worked on the principle of trying to figure out what I didn't want to do. And if something didn't work, I would just sort of quit that job. So I never really had a plan or a career or or a, a goal. I just sort of worked opposite and said, okay, I don't like this. Let's try something else. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's, so let's backtrack a little bit um, because I know after university, you started working for cruise ships. What... Um, so what made you want to start working for, on a cruise ship? Well, I had a couple of jobs where I looked around and I said, is this going to be me in 10 years' time? And, and certainly one of them I said, no, just shoot me. So I, I quit that job. had another one where I worked in, in London, and I saw a lot of people that were traveling. I had a lot of, we had a lot of um, temp contractors, and they were traveling around Europe and coming back, and I thought there's got to be more to life than just working in this office for the next 20, 30 years maybe. So I asked for three months unpaid leave, and my boss said, no, I can't give that to you. You're too good an employer. Uh, and they cited someone else who was useless, who still worked there, that said, we'd give him three months off. So I was being punished for being good at my job. So I quit, and I had so much annual leave that I only worked two more days, and then I, I had enough annual leave to take. Mm -hmm. And I just got a job. I, I got a job working on cruise ships through a friend of my mum's and just started this sort of traveling, not trying to find myself, but just saying, Let's try and do something that's a bit more fun before I before I then sort of settle down and maybe do something more more permanent. And that's how that started. Mm, okay, excellent. So out of that, it it sounds like you developed your first business, which was uh, an events company type of a business. What made you want to to do that? Well, when I worked on ships, I got a job in the casinos, which was which was a lot of fun because it was the people that could afford to gamble. I'm not really a pro gambler, but people on holiday having a bit of fun. So it was the nicer side of gambling, you would call that, because there's quite an insidious side to it. People losing money they don't have. Right. So I had all that um, experience of entertaining people and creating this, this fun environment. And then I did that in the events business without any money. So people never lost any money. It was just purely for fun. So I created this fun casino business. And it sort of evolved. Again, I had no plan. I'd, I'd never worked in business before. I had no idea what I was doing. But I just said, well, you know, let's sort of try this. So I sunk my life savings, having worked on ships for nine years and saved up, I put it all into this business. And for the first year, I didn't get a single client. And, and it was really hard work. And then I finally, I met someone who showed me what I didn't know. So if you look online, there's a lot of, lot of um, 
hype and mystery and they call it seven secrets and and all this sort of bs a secret really is just something you don't know Mm -hmm. and i didn't know seo and this guy showed me and it turned my business around and to this day I, i still think of him and i still sort of thank him for being the person that showed me what i didn't know and the business went from one event a year to 300 and it just sort of grew from there just because i said i'd had help from someone else Oh, that's great. That's great. Were there also when you were building that, were there books you were reading or it is or just these, you know, relationships that you were building seemed to help the most? It was predominantly relationships. I now read a lot of books, so far more books than I used to. So I have sort of got into that habit now of education. I really think it's key. No matter how busy you are at work, you've got to carve out that time, whether it's half an hour a day into your routine, an hour if you can manage it where you are learning more and more information because um, business is changing at a faster rate than ever uh, and we and it's impossible to keep up with all of it. Mm-hmm. But if you sort of bury your head in just work, then you're not going to find new ways to do different things and, and challenge your thinking. You become sort of quite narrow. Mm-hmm. So in answer to your question, I wish I'd read more, but uh, I did at least, um, as I was going through that, you always sort of realize that your business is evolving and it needs to constantly evolve to just to even sort of keep up, not even sort of stay ahead. So you do have to constantly innovate and find different ways to do what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Great. So along the way, then you started um, looking at masterminds and kind of working with the idea of a mastermind group. Can you tell me more about that and and that experience? Well, it it came about from uh, a situation that we probably all face in business at some point where you, you're not getting paid your, your true reward. So I had, I had a client that was booked through an, a booking agent and the agent somehow incorrectly emailed me what they were charging the end client, which was 50% more, they had 50% markup on our service just for a couple of emails. And they didn't even get that right. They, 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 the couple of things that we ask in the process, they didn't forward on to their end client. And there was a miscommunication from them. Uh, we handled that and we, we turned that around, luckily enough. We had to pull out quite a few strings, do all this extra work. But it, it showed to me, I said, I thought, well, these people have made more money from me for just a couple of emails than me actually delivering the, the promise and all the, 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 the event and the, everything happened there. And I looked and I sat down and I thought, I'm not getting paid my true value, my true worth, which means that I need to do something else to, 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 to move myself from the bottom of the food chain and to try and figure out if, if um, I can, and I think we should all do, how can we provide more value, better value, which gets us um, more reward for, for all our expertise and skill set. Because at that stage, I've been in this for 12 years and you know, top of the industry and yet still not getting what I felt was my just reward. So that was a bit of a pivotal moment for me mm-hmm. to say, what else is out there? How can I how can I do something different? And that led me into masterminds, which just then became this um, obsession. Everyone uses the word passion and <laughs> and, and uh, it gets overused a little bit. But mm-hmm. to, to me, sort of masterminds then became this obsession. Um, how good can they be? Why aren't we sharing more resources, ideas? Why aren't we collaborating more instead of trying to compete with just about everybody out there? Yeah. So could you go in a little bit more about masterminds and, and why? I guess 
why someone should do it specifically and then how is it is it difficult to do i know that simultaneously like right now only because a few of my friends are involved in that um tony robbins is launching this large mastermind type of ecosystem and and so it's i don't know if it's just because the people that i have been meeting keep on bringing up masterminds more but it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent so what do you how do you approach building a mastermind and what do you encourage people to do with those so in answer to your question the is masterminds easy yes i think everything's easy but it's also easy <laughs> not to do easy is a word that can right. go either way it's originally based on the concept from napoleon hill in his book from the, the late 30s called think and grow rich mm-hmm. and the premise is that when two or more people come together they create this supermind a mastermind whereas you know the one plus one equals three so you're you've got your own ideas your own experience your own expertise your own knowledge and that's as far as you can go. That's your limitation that you'll bump up against. When you meet with other people, you find different ways to do things, new ideas. You get you answer questions that you hadn't even thought of. You you really do get to, to get that extra perspective. So if you've got six people in a mastermind and they've all got five years experience in your business, that's 30 years right there of knowledge, expertise, advice that you can tap into and, and use. And, and then all of a sudden that becomes a very powerful tool for you to quickly find out things you don't know, answer some of your biggest frustrations, problems. But also the, the huge part about masterminds is the accountability. Most people start their own business because they're sick of working for the man or they're sick of being told what to do. And the reality is you talk to any successful entrepreneur and it's the discipline of doing the hard stuff, the stuff you don't want to do day in and day out. When, especially when you're first starting out, it's just you on your own. So to have that accountability to say, look, I'm working on this this week or the next couple of weeks, I'm going to finish this. I'm making that promise and then coming back to the group and saying, yes, I completed that or knowing in the back of your head that you're being held accountable to someone else outside of your organization. Otherwise, you as the boss can easily just slip into doing the things that are easy, mm-hmm. that the things that you enjoy and not doing the difficult things that, that actually move the needle. So if if somebody was listening to this podcast and was thinking, okay, great, you know, I, I like this idea, this sounds fantastic, but I don't think I'm an expert in like one thing or another. I don't even or don't even know where to get started on how to find other people that I want to get together with and and become accountable with and and share ideas. How do you even get started? Well, the bit of lateral thinking, you'll find and you will test that sort of false assumption. There are always people around that you admire, that you that you like, that you work with, that you've previously worked with. They, they could be they could be it could be your ex customers, they could be your suppliers, uh, they could be friends you know, they could be friends of friends. You just have to start sort of putting it out there. And have you ever seen the sort of um, Esther Hicks universe and and source will provide? It's a bit woo woo. But a lot of people sort of really believe in that that idea that if you, once you start to put yourself out there and start to ask for these things, they come they come to you. So it's the fixed versus growth mindset. So if you've got a even a partially growth mindset, you will start to find those people and they will gravitate towards you because you are actively looking. Yeah, excellent. So in your I guess in your own career, what I guess do you currently run your own mastermind right now, and is it is it focused on one particular industry or you know area? 
I run mastermind groups, but I, at the moment my key focus is on teaching other people how to run their own. Okay. I call it a, a different ROI or return on intellect. Um, like I alluded to earlier, the fact that a lot of subject matter experts reach that stage where they don't need more clients. Some of them don't even advertise. And I've worked with people that say, I don't advertise anymore because I already have more than enough clients at that same price point. And, and that's the point where you slip from expertise to innovation and you say, well, okay, well, I don't need more clients at this price point. What else can I offer that is more valuable? And often that is to teach what you already know. A, a shortcut, um, boil down your, some of your best expertise for other people that want to know that, that want that shortcut, because they don't want to spend the next 10 years trying to learn what you learn. They want to actually, uh, they want that shortcut and say, okay, show me how to do that. And that's why the information technology has exploded. There's so many more courses out there. As you said, masterminds have become more and more prevalent because people do want that, that um, expertise and advice because they understand that to get it themselves and to find the right book or the right information is time consuming because we are overwhelmed with information. So it's almost like a, a boiled down shortcut to say, Okay, let's distract all the noise and, and let's boil it down into something that is actionable and measurable and simple and, and a process that I can follow. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So also during this time, you have uh, been running a podcast. What made you want to also run your own podcast and how has that experience been like? I think a podcast is, and, and you would know probably even more than me, podcast is a way of of just sort of sharing some ideas and also increasing your authority. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't, if you, you can be the best carpenter in the world, for example, but then maybe nobody knows you. If you run your own carpentry podcast, you can get some fresh ideas and you can start to sort of, you know, really explore that obsession, passion, mm -hmm. or what have you. But also you get to learn from your guests as well. So it's not a, it's not a self-promotion. It's a, it's another way of learning and also another way of just connecting with people in your niche, in your in, in your environment, and, and just sort of, I suppose, giving giving forward and and shining the spotlight on other people. And that's what a great podcast is: is that two way interaction of of the guest and the host, and also you providing value to your audience so that they get some key takeaways. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, excellent. So in in your podcast specifically, um, it's called the Noble Noble Founder Podcast. Uh, how do you seek out the, your interviewees and, and what's that conversation like? I predominantly use LinkedIn to do that. I think LinkedIn is a great tool for connecting with uh, fellow professionals mm -hmm. and also, you know, quite advanced search techniques. So you can pretty much find any kind of category of people that you want to connect with. And then it's a question of obviously building up that conversation, seeing they're a good fit. Um, I've, I was advice I was given in the podcast meetup was to spend sort of 15 minutes pre-interviewing these people because we're not our resumes. You've seen some people with amazing resumes and then you might have experienced this and then you get them on the, you get them on the call and find out that potentially they, they're, they're binary. Yes, no, they don't have a lot to say and right. they're not particularly great. They're not a great medium for the podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a question of, uh, yeah, reaching out, doing your research, and then potentially getting that sort of quick sort of 10-minute get-to-know-people just so they're a good fit for your show. Yeah, of course. Excellent. So in in your career and, and when you look at masterminds and chat with, with different people, how do you approach fear and times that you're apprehensive 
and how do you then push past those times? That's a good question. Um, I, I wrote a blog about um, fear versus desire because until we actually do something, there's always that fear and that doubt. Uh, you said earlier, you know, what if people think that they can't find those people to, to, to be in a mastermind with yeah. or they don't think they're having enough? Look, we all have those fears and doubts. We bump up against them all the time. It's that ceiling. And it's a question of moving past that is that your desire has to be stronger than your fear. And when that is, you'll you'll push past that that doubt, that uh, uncertainty, and that that fear, and until you go, look, I, I want this more than I'm scared. And only when that equation sort of changes can you do that. And a, a, a good analogy to to think of is 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 when you're learning and you're growing and and you're starting out your career or however whatever stage you are in your career. I look at it a little bit like um, a balloon that you, you pump some air into it and the balloon grows. And then you might get some setbacks and it'll shrink a bit, but it'll always be bigger than when you first blew it up when it was you know, nothing. And you, as you continue to learn and grow and improve and challenge and test yourself, that balloon gets bigger and bigger. And as I said, sometimes it'll shrink a bit, but by increasing your knowledge and your expertise and then your confidence, you'll continue to grow that balloon. Yeah, very cool. So... You're, you know, someone who has has met a lot of people and done a lot of interesting things. Over the course of your career, what would you say has been the best advice that you have ever received? Oh, um, yeah, that's a good one. Best advice I've ever received. Um, I would say that it would be set aside time for for education. Mm-hmm. Uh, set block it in because we we know that. We've all got these intentions to do all these great things and and the to-do list never fully gets done. But when you block something out and you put it in as into your schedule and you, you work on your habits, it gets done. So spending that time to say what's the, one of the most important things to you to do each day and, and, and potentially doing that first, the uh, miracle morning, the eat the green frog. So I meditate every morning uh, and I exercise um, six days a week mm-hmm. and then – one of the first things I do is I do 25 minute reading and I'm, I'm losing this one a little bit, but 25 minute of writing. And then I start my day so that I've, I've done the things that I've committed to that are, that are important to me first. And that allows the rest of the day, if it all goes to, to crap and, and something urgent comes up and you have to drop everything else or your computer crashes, you know that you've done the things that are most valuable to you at the start. So that's the advice that I would say, blocking that time, do it early and then the rest of your day can unfold and people can pull you, they can pull your time, energy and resources away from you. But at least you've guarded that first part. Yeah. So so with that, I've so I, you know, I, I've, I've heard that from a few different people about how they start their day in a similar way. And um, do you so are you a, a morning person? Do you get up really early to get this going or what does your schedule look like? Uh it depends on your definition of earlier. When I worked on, on uh, cruise ships and in the casino, that was night. So we did some day shifts as well. So I was yeah. all over the place. But I've, I've sort of trained myself to be a morning person. Six o'clock, I get up. Okay. Uh, and to meditate first, exercise, and then do those things. So by eight o'clock, I'm, I'm still sort of ready to start work. But I've done that, that first two hours of being, um, sounds like selfish, but it's been all about me. Yeah. And it's all things that are most important to me. And then I feel like I'm, I'm able to give my time and resources and energy 
to other people that need it and, and be flexible. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, six o'clock works for me. Okay. Well, that's like that's good. I've, I've heard of some people getting up at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. And this six o'clock definitely sounds more reasonable and and doable without having to go to bed at like you know five o'clock the night before. <laughs> yeah, I think if I got up at 3 a.m., I'd yeah, be in bed about six o'clock at night. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell me about tell me more about your uh, your poker playing. Is that something that you d- like that's was that something you developed while you were working at the casinos or just something that you've picked up afterward? And, and um, why, what got you into playing poker? Well, casinos gave me this huge insight into, into people without sort of really knowing it. I mean, technically for the most part, you're, you're dealing cards to them and, and spinning the wheel on roulette and doing all the technical stuff. And then once you become good at that, you've got a chance to sort of sit back and, and start to sort of look at people and read people. So this fascinating insight into people and and the the reason people gamble is is not because they want to win they're, they're smart people they've got they've got good jobs they, they gamble for a whole heap of reasons it's mostly not to win it's to to socialize it's to it's because they're bored it's because they want to they've got an ego and they want to prove something how much money they've got that they can donate mm-hmm. so i sat there and watching all these people do that and then when you play poker that is the ultimate um microscopic view of people because Poker is the only game in the casino, um, although they do take a rake in a real casino. If you sat down and played uh, poker around a, a table with just friends or people you don't know and there's no rake, there's no house advantage. There's no built-in the casino automatically wins. Mm-hmm. So it does come down to um, not luck, but the best player. And the best player you know, wins with the worst cards because they're able to read people. So it's a fascinating insight into into tells, into um, your personality that no matter how you must try and hide it as a poker player, mm-hmm. often comes out into to, to what you do across the poker table. So it's it's a really good snapshot of of social interactions and people. Yeah. Do you believe that your your poker abilities have made you a better business leader? Uh, look, somewhat. I, I wouldn't call myself a really good poker player. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so it's not a, a skill that's been completely transferable oh. or I say, yeah, I'm a great poker player. But yeah. it's definitely <laughs> something that to be aware of. Risk, you, you know, sure. you talk about all in, go all in at the right time. It's a great move. All in at business when you really haven't figured out if it's the right play is a terrible move. So there's definitely risk versus reward, and there's definitely a lot of similarities between poker and business, absolutely. So there are some some great parallels to draw that you can look on and say, uh, okay, I've calculated the odds. Uh, my business coach the other day was talking about something where you're free rolling, mm-hmm. and free rolling is, is, is like a free tournament that gets you into something else. So free rolling could be that you leverage somebody else's database and you, with a bit of collaboration, you can work with them, free roll. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities between poker and business. Oh, exciting. Okay, cool. Well, Ronan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to read more of your writing, um, you know, read more about what you're working on in the mastermind space or listen to your podcast, where is the best place they can go for any of those? So my website is eCountability.io, and if they go forward slash blog, they can find my blog musings there. I also uh, quite an active contributor on LinkedIn. I'm regularly posting on there 
all sorts of insights, videos, everything. So LinkedIn, I'm just uh, Ronan Leonard, the mastermind guy. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. I will. So I will put the uh, the links in the show notes so they can click right through. So they'll be able to find you fairly easily. Yes, perfect. And if they're really interested in masterminds and they think it's something they want to explore, I, I do have a, a little sort of free mini course. So get in touch with me and, and I'm happy to share some uh, some of those free resources as well, where I even teach people how to create great content and, and become to test their thoughts. Um, I'll use the word thought leader, but you definitely sort of get to sort of come up with this formula that really helps you to put together um, great ideas and test some of your assumptions and just work out how you can better structure your your ideas and shape them into something that people really want to listen to. Sure. Excellent. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for making that offer. Um, again, Ronan, it has been absolutely fantastic, and uh, thank you very much for chatting with me today. No worries. Thank you very much, Yuri. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Hour podcast. If you liked this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. Thank you again, and have a great day.